If you like the Middle-Aged Man Talk podcast, consider giving us your support on Patreon. Hello and welcome to the Middle-Aged Man Talk podcast. I'm your host, Brendan. And I'm your other host, Richard. Hooray! Richard's here! He's always here. It is his house. Well, my shop. Your shop. Your workshop near your house. Yes. I can smell your house from here. <laughs> well, that's the chicken coop. It smells like fermentation. Um, the chicken coop. Why would I think you live in a chicken coop? It's actually a nice chicken coop. It is. It's a, it's, it's a high-class chicken coop. Uh, we are on a hobby farm. So, um, should we just have some Kit Kats? Yeah, we can have some Kit Kats. Now, the Kit Kats we have here are, the translation was sweet adult flavor. Sweet white adult flavor. It looks a little bit like a cookies and cream, but not like black cookie, like light brown. I don't know what's adult about it. I think it's a poor translation. It's almost like a milk chocolate cookie and cream type. Maybe it's for adults. Oh, an adult flavor? Mm-hmm. It's too boring for kids. It could be. That's nice. That's kind of pleasing. Again, though, it's white chocolate. Your favorite. Want to try another one? Sure. Which is wheat cracker? It's a, it's a wheat something chocolate bar. Remember in Harry Potter, they had, like, the the jelly beans? Yes. Which was every flavor. Really, every flavor. Even bogey flavor. I feel like Japan's doing this with Kit Kats. Because the flavors do seem to be never-ending of weird various things. Like wasabi and wheat. It's like, those aren't even bar chocolate bar flavors. Yeah, it does taste like wheat cracker. Yeah, it tastes a little bit like you grabbed a white chocolate Kit Kat bar around shredded wheats. Or not quite a graham cracker. No, it's more like the round ones. The yeah, like a, round, like, a, like a Brenton wheat cracker. Yeah, or a wheat thin. A wheat thin, a little bit wheat thinny. Yeah, but wheat thins are saltier, but... Uh. Yeah, yeah, you love salt. You lick the salt off, put the crackers back in the box. That's a thing I could imagine you doing when you were a child. No, I like the crunch, too. Crunch, okay. That salty crunch. Yeah, those are, um... Are either of those a buy again? Kit Kat in Japan has so many exclusive flavors. Here's a new flavor of the Sweetness for Adults series. White chocolate flavor. Get this winter limited flavor right now. Okay, so it is... The Adult Sweetness is the series name... The flavor series. So it was a decent translation then. It's hard to tell though. These are the mini ones. It's yeah. not the full bar with the full so It was a white chocolate. It was just a straight white chocolate with no flavor. As opposed to these other ones which are white chocolate that are flavored. With something. Yes. Uh, it's still fun to try though. It is fun yes. to try. Because of all the food I've brought here, the weird meat things and fish things and egg things and vegan things, the weird Japanese Kit Kat bars. Are at least edible. And not that weird. Compared to no. everything else. Like there's no weird. I mean, they're weird. They're not as they're not as weird as the Oreos. Yeah, the Chinese Oreos were mad weird. None of those flavors were good. No. Well, except my the, kids. My kids. There's there's one that my kids would eat, but the rest of them, my kids wouldn't eat them. Yeah, I stopped buying those. There's still more Oreo flavors we have yet to try, but they only sell them in a big box. I can't just get like like a two or four pack for us, so I, I gave up on them. Although the Japanese knockoff Oreo mini ones, those were good. Yeah. But they were the same as a regular mini Oreo, so... Tonight's topic. Boom, ba da ba da boo Should we talk about King Charles III? The new King of England? The new Monarch of England? 
So, is there any sort of controversy other than the fact that he's the king? No, I just, uh, my problem is, now he's going to be on our money. Because we're Canadian, so we're part of the Commonwealth. Uh, You know, the monarch of England is our monarch. And we have them on the back of every coin and on some of the monies. Like, the $20 bill has been the queen for my entire life. So, now, now we'll have King Charles III on our money. Temporarily. Well, for a few years. But I kind of thought, maybe we should go a different route. Maybe we should find someone else attached to the royal family we could have on the money. Maybe someone a little more attractive, a little more appealing to look at. Maybe someone, too, who ticks a few uh, diversity boxes. Maybe we should have Meghan Markle on our money in a bathing suit. (laughs) An old-timey British one. Classy, but still. Meghan Markle in a bathing suit on our money. What do you think? At least the 20 the $20 bill. <laughs> Maybe a thousand dollar bill. Thousand dollar bill. Now some people say no, no, she's an American. I think it's fine. She married into, you know, the English, which is really the Canadian royal family. Now people would say technically her and Harry aren't royals anymore because they they left or because they want to live in America. They actually wanted to live in Canada because I think in Canada he thought he could keep title, but then they were like sticky about it. So they're like, well, fine, no title, let's go to America. Mainly because the media was so mean to them. In England. The media is really terrible in England. Oh, no. It's the uh, the broadsheets. The broadsheets. The tabloids. Oh, yes. It's the format. Why do they care so much? I never understood why they care so much about the monarchy in, in such a ridiculous it's, sense. It isn't. These things are gossip rags. These are, they're, they're one step above the National Enquirer. Above? Really? The National Enquirer is interesting. Did Roseanne Barr give birth to aliens? Maybe. Well, you don't know. They say she did, but that's at least interesting. Nonsense about, uh, you know, Harry marrying a woman of color. Who cares? And I, I like Prince Harry. He's a stand-up guy. I read a great uh, article about him. See, I think this comes... Do you not want to hear it? I'm just going to go something else? I'm going to go something else. You can go, you can go back to it. We'll, we'll circle back. We'll circle, we'll circle back. back. Yes. No, I think it's the the British um, fascination with is because they had the aristocracy. Uh, aristocracy. The um, aristocrats! That's what I want to say. You know, they, they, they had aristocrats, they had lords and ladies and that sort of stuff, and what these people were doing has always been the subject of gossip. And it was important, and it was kind of important back in the day, because you kept, it was all about social standing. Yes, England today, that's actually funny. Um, my wife knew a woman who's father was from some family with a title and because he married a commoner in i don't know the 1970s uh they kicked him out of the family no title basically disowned him so he came to canada and uh this woman my wife knew had all these like cousins and people in england who all have some sort of title or descent from title or something they'll have nothing to do with them because her mother was a commoner from canada uh, and she said what's really ridiculous is in england now there's a lot of people who descend from not just from like royalty, like they're, you know, my, my great great grandfather was a lord of something or a duke of whatever, and I'm just a regular person. People who've actually inherited title, the actual main family line, they have title, but the money has been spent and lost yeah. along the way, or even they couldn't keep up with taxes changing, the economy changing, and they just kind of became regular people with regular jobs, but they still had this fantastic title, even though they live. Peers. Peers, yes. But so they still have this great title, even though they don't have the money to back it up. And they look down their noses on someone who's like a, you know, 
mixed Indian immigrant surgeon who makes half a million dollars a year. You know, the guy's almost part Indian, part white, part whatever. And they actually have all the money. They actually are almost living like a lower royal of olden days. But, oh, there's no title in there. You know, they're not British enough. That was what that, um, that member of parliament got caught by one of his interns a few years ago. He's talking about uh, one of the guys in parliament uh, who was like, you know, he's from, I think he's from, I think it was Hampstead or Hammersmith. It was one of those kind of round London places. But this was a young guy in government who was a person of color of, you know, Indian uh, ancestry. And, you know, this old stuffy, you know, British guy was getting a little bit, he's not English enough. Because they, 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 I don't know what that even means. Like once you're third or fourth generation and you're raised there and educated there, aren't you English enough? You know what I mean? Nope. Not to some people, apparently, but England's interesting. Anyway, I pre-ordered Prince Harry, the Duke of Sussex. I don't care if they take away his title. He's still my Duke of Sussex. And I, I like Prince Harry. And he has a book coming out called Spare, all about, I think, his life, his autobiography. But he's my, like my age. He's in his 40s, around 40 or something. Yeah, something like yeah, that. Yeah, so like, but he has a autobiography. I'm kind of thinking, well, what, what about... There'll be another one in like another twenty years. Yeah, this guy's playing the game. He's going to have more autobiographies. Uh, no, but I, I pre-ordered. It. I'm very interested to see what he has to say. I actually got the audio book, and he reads it himself, not someone else. So I'm kind of interested to hear what his point of view well, is. Well, it's because he's got to work now. Um, he still must have a trust fund or money. I'm sure there's still wealth. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm sort of. I'm, I'm like, he's been a bit of a celebrity, um, but you know, it's not like. It's only because he's a prince. Prince Andrew managed to stay out of the spotlight, mostly. Which one was the one that got me would for bad sex things? That's Prince Andrew. Yeah, I think he was staying out of the spotlight. On no, 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 purpose, no, no. Perhaps? He was that, that. He was out of the spotlight even then. He wasn't big. Yeah, it, it might just be different generations. You know what I mean? Like, like because Prince Andrew, Andrew never had a, uh, I'll say, playmate that took a picture of him in the nude. And then put it on the internet. Remember Prince Harry happened to him years ago? But what bothered me, though, is they always in England, they always take the most ridiculous story about the royals. Doesn't matter what's going on. Because around the same time frame as Prince Harry and the mostly naked photo that kind of went around was kind of a meme and a joke. At the same time, his older brother, who's a search and rescue pilot, uh, saved a Welsh girl who got swept up to sea in the currents. So when she got pulled up in the basket by, like, the search and rescue helicopter paramedics, the pilot was Prince William. Yes, but Prince William was like the pilot. Isn't that kind of weird? I thought I was going to die. And then a prince came and saved me. But the point is, that had, like, a little blurb, a little article. Oh, you know, in his duty as a search and rescue pilot, Prince William. it's, It's about the scandal. And there's no scandal about a royal who has a proper job doing their proper job. Because at least the English royals have proper jobs. Yep. In the military, generally, or some sort of service like that. So the story I liked about Prince Harry, an article I read years ago, he was in northern Canada on one of these big multi-military training exercises, like they do, because middle of northern Canada is middle of nowhere, you can do these things. So in northern Canada, you can kind of do all these military training things. There was Americans there, and Brits, and Canadians, and probably Kiwis, and Aussies, and whoever else. Anyway, um, at like one of the bar things, or the canteens, some of the guys were talking about... um, you know, who they'd slept with or, you know, finding girls in town or, you know, like soldiers do, right? You know, getting laid. And one of the guys, one of the British soldiers under Prince Harry was gay and out of the closet. And he said, oh, no, he'd actually, he'd hooked up a few times, too, with apparently a few American guys, or at least one American soldier. And then, of course, you know, if you're gay in the American military, it's a bad thing, or at least was at that time. I'm sure it's still 
is as bad as it was. On paper, it might be. But, but in any case, um, and Prince Harry basically hopped to it because then there was kind of some harassment, a little bit of threats of violence happening between the different soldiers. And I won't give the whole story. You can go find the article and read it. But he basically went to his commanding officers and nipped into the bud and said, nope, nope, nope. And he completely defended his men and took care of them. And I thought, that's a story about Prince Harry that no one will ever hear because it's, again, a royal doing their job in the military properly and being a proper leader. I mean, he was, like I think, probably like a junior middle-level officer at that point. He wasn't, you know, like yeah. senior brass or anything, but he wasn't standing for any kind of harassment or, you know, nonsense. So, yeah, I like I like Prince Harry. Yeah. I think part of what happened with Prince Harry was that, A, a he was better looking than Prince William, but he also came... Is he? Yeah, the red hair. Also, he was of an age when the teen magazines were a big thing. Oh, I suppose. So, um... Back with the Backstreet Boys and the all Backstreet the... Boys. Remember the Backs... Backstreet's back... Anyway. Um, but there was this big thing with, you know, the these... Princes. The English princes. Well, just... Basically, it was just with um, sort of preteen celebrity. Right. Yeah, um, and if, if you are like, you know, a high British royal like that, a prince, you're a celebrity when you're born. Yeah. You know, I think also because of, you know, Diana's tragic death, it kind of put a spotlight on her boys growing up, you know, without their mother. I think there's a little more media on them. See, because I think of that, that that may be why Andrew's um, Prince Andrew um, kind of stayed out of the spotlight is because there was so much of a, sp- a spotlight on Charles and Diana. Yeah, yeah, probably. I mean, I think with Prince Charles too, it's like he and Diana were kind of forced to get married to each other. That's the way the story kind of seems. Like, you know, that they were kind of like, oh no, this is who you have to marry because of royalty things it's, it's very interesting the royal weddings of i guess it was prince william's uh royal wedding to it's really funny his wife they call her princess kate because she's not a princess she's a duchess because she married a prince but um she didn't want to be called duchess so the media just said okay sure we'll call you princess kate but in any case at their wedding when they were going over it was all online who was at the wedding it was really interesting because it was like every one of the royals from Europe, all the royal European families are connected and related. Yep. So you really kind of see like, oh, they all know each other. They're all related to each other, actually. But King Charles III, what do you think so far? There, there was the thing with him and the prime minister, which was stupid. He apparently mouthed something and they couldn't tell what he mouthed. They thought he said something and some people thought, or they, they were trying to figure out, oh, was he saying something either to either like um, connect with the prime minister or show like compassion or is he talking down to her but he didn't actually say anything he just kind of like his lips moved and maybe he was you know talking to himself or saying something maybe he wasn't but that, that was like the, right away immediately but it's like they're looking for a scandal it's like yeah. so he didn't actually say anything uh, i don't know I, I think like that's uh even if he did say something to the prime minister whisper something to the prime minister so he's the king they're the prime minister you That's, kind of expect them, well, the, the, the king they, they were allowed. the prime minister. They were, yeah, well, I mean, whatever. But, like, the king's allowed to talk to the prime minister. Yes. Uh, I think that's fine. But uh, it's uh, it's interesting. Actually, I, the funny story about, um, well, when he was Prince Charles, you know, King Charles, is in Eric Idle's book, the uh, Monty Python, remember? How there was some dinner, not a club, but, like, there was a bunch of these celebrities, including Eric Idle, in a certain, I can't remember, England or France, wherever they were, but they were having this, like, regular dinner. Where all these like amazing people, like top you know British celebrities, other people get together, and Prince Charles heard about it, and he asked politely, 
or had his people ask, could he come? And they said, oh, yeah, sure, you can come to dinner. Anyway, they're all at dinner. It's great dinner. It's all these like, amazing people like Sting and all these people mm-hmm. are there. And Prince Charles makes an off-the-cuff comment to Eric Idle. You know, Eric, you should come be my court jester. And then when, without missing a beat, Eric Idle replies, why would I want a shit job like that? And the whole room goes up. But that'd be a shit job. The whole point of the court jester was they were the only person who was allowed to talk down to the king. Yeah, you can make a joke. You can say whatever you wanted to do, yeah. But they were the only person they 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 were the only person who could tell the king to his face that he was being an asshole without worrying about going to Right. Although, I mean, I'm sure a number of court jesters found their uh way to the point of a sword or end of a rope. You went too far. Well you had to be careful how you did it. See, but making fun of the king the king's a man. Making fun of the queen I don't like him. All right. Off with his head. I would be very delicate with the queen. Yeah. Oh, my. Yeah. So no, no, uh, nothing about the Dutch royalty? Because you're, you're always going about how Dutch you are. Um. Queen Beatrice? She was good. Everyone liked her. Yeah, no, the Dutch royalty, they kind of stay out of the spotlight mostly. Yeah, I mean, the most noteworthy thing about the Dutch royalty was they... Well, well, not hid, but ran from the Nazis to Canada and also stayed in the United States. And this is often a misconception, but uh, one of the Dutch princesses was born in Ottawa, Ontario, Canada, and people say, oh, they gave the hospital land to the Dutch royals or made it like, you know, part of like Holland so that royal could actually only be Dutch because the Dutch royalty can only be Dutch. They can't have any other citizenship. They can only be Dutch. And that's not what they did. In Canada, what they did was they legally made the grounds of the hospital in Ottawa, just for that short time, international territory. So it wasn't a part of Canada, technically, which means all the babies born there had to inherit citizenship from their parents. So when she was born there, legally, she didn't get Canadian citizenship by being born in Canada because that princess wasn't actually born in Canada. She was born in international territory in the national capital of Canada, which is kind of a... It's, it's a well, nicety. Seeing, seeing as the national capital is built on unceded nate. Uh, native land, you could almost argue that it isn't actually part of Canada Uh, in a certain point of view. I I mean, like, everything that happened to the native people is bad. And and I think what we need to do in Canada is try what they did in New Zealand, which is more difficult difficult because there's more groups and it's a bigger place. But basically, get to a point where reparations can be made. And, like, we can never make true reparations because you can't roll back the clock hundreds of years. However... Something or many things could be done to say, okay, this is a good place to step forward now. We've recognized the bad things. We've done our best to fix them. What we can do, let's move forward. And they did that in New Zealand. So when you drive through downtown Rotorua, New Zealand, you see malls and, you know, different shopping buildings and offices and apartments. All that land is owned by the local Maori tribe, reserve, whatever you want to call it. And they get, uh, it's like a hundred year land lease. They get a check. That's their land. Here's the land. You own it. This was your land. We took it from you. Now you get it back. You own it. But people are using it, so they'll pay you to rent it. And that has been really good for the Murray people. I kind of think, people say, well, how can we give them the land back? Well, we can't just give it back because people are using it. But we could give them the deed and a land lease. Would you agree to this to get free money? And then in 100 years, let those people figure it out. Yeah. And I think that that could be a potential solution in some ways. Yeah, I know the... Um, I know you mentioned this uh, in another show, the local reserve. Um, Tyndanega. Yeah. Um, that they that uh, there was a 
land claim thing that uh, basically got screwed up way back when? Uh, uh, I mean, so, yes, there, there, there was a land claim. And this is kind of the abridged version I got from a friend over a beer uh, or coffee or something. But basically, there was, for one of the land claims for that particular reserve, Tyndanaga, um, some way to resolve one of them, the main one. And the abridged version is the local band council said, we also want a big check of money too. And uh, the government said, no, just you can have the land thing we've all agreed to and that's it or, you know, nothing. And they kept pushing for, well, we want a check of millions of dollars too or whatever the amount they wanted was. And the government walked away from the table and then nothing happened and nothing will happen for decades until... Actually, something has happened. Ooh. Th- th- that's why I brought it up. Juicy news. Um, so uh, the Tet Farm, I think it is. Um, it's a huge farm that was um, given to this, these people's ancestor. The current owner has basically signed an intent that she's a willing seller. Okay. She's willing to basically... She's not going to give it back, but... Well, because the land's been developed, I guess. Well, it's, it's, a, it's a farm. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's been in her family for 100 years now. Right. Um, or pretty close to it. Um, but she's willing to cede it to... Uh, however, the red tape is basically making the um, whole process extremely painful because, okay, she, she's she's willing. This is not like the government saying, oh, we're going to go and, you know, pull eminent domain and right. buy your land at market value. Wink, market value, yeah. Um, so it's, but basically there's supposed to be money set aside for the willing buyer, if you have a willing seller um, who's willing to have the, the land go back to, for the government to step in, buy the land, give it over to, to the, the reserve. reserve. Right. Um, apparently, it's been three years now. Oh, it'll bang on for forever. And they're, they're having trouble getting people to sit at the table. Like, she's getting government to sit at the table and that sort of stuff. And you know, Yeah, it's not a priority. Nobody cares. It's, um, it's kind of sad. Yeah. Um, especially when people are saying, it's, oh, maybe I could do the right thing here. Yeah, it's or 720 hectares or something like that. Which is huge. I mean, it's absolutely you know fantastic. Um, especially if there's people on the reserve who don't own their own property. She had to yeah. be a band card holding member of that reserve to own land on it. So if there's people that don't own land, that would be a way to help the impoverished people uh, on the reserve. Yeah, anyway. It, make, it makes it a lot more complicated because like, the whole town of Desaronto is on the reserve. Is well, on, it, is he on. Is. I don't know. Land. If I don't know if it's all of it, but definitely a good chunk of it. Because the the, the problem is some of these li- the, the the lines and claims. It gets really mucky, and I guess one of the main problems is people say, "Well, no, there's a paper trail of legal this and that." When the you know the that reserve, they signed things that said this was okay in this decade and that decade, yeah. going back 150 years or whatever the time frame is. The problem is, you know, native people did not have adequate legal representation. What they signed, they didn't know what they were signing. They were often lied to and misled, coerced, or, you know, um, duress. They were threatened. So the problem is, even if there is a legal paper trail of us going from the 1800s until now with reserves and land claims and things being sold and bought, a lot of that was not done fairly um, in good faith. So that's why it needs to be fixed, because they were all um, bad deals done at the detriment of the local Mohawk people. So the problem, or, or sometimes the people actually signing the deal are not the the actual uh, representatives. Oh yeah, yeah, you know, like the guy that sold the Taj Mahal twice, fraudulently. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, yeah, but I mean, I do think 
there would be a way to move forward with the indigenous peoples of Canada and actually make it good. But to have that, you need to have the government actively, positively on their side trying to get that, that goal. And you'd need all the many indigenous groups of Canada also on the same page. And it gets very complicated and mucky and you get pride and politics and nonsense involved. And that's why these things don't, they bang on for generations. Yep. So, and yeah. the other problem is, is that um, even if you do come to something where the majority of, of a reserve, the residents of reserve agree to something, you still have that vocal minority that who will never agree to anything. Right. And if enough of them, you know, vote in their cousin as a band counselor, does that stall a vote or, you know? Yeah. So anyway, I think uh, that's, that's a show, right? Yeah, I think that's the show. Thank you so much for listening. Have a good night, everyone. middle-aged man talk thank you so much for listening please check us out on patreon (laughs) woof